Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 38 for Monday, May 6th, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, also known as your favorite sheep shearer and mine, Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. The sheep are doing very well, actually. It's it's a shame because uh, they they have to be shorn all the time. And so whenever I walk past the sheep farm I've been setting up, it just looks like a bunch of naked sheep looking very cold in their glass boxes. But I assure you they're doing very well and wool production has never been better. I like the sense of RP. I want to make my sheep shearing farm in a winter biome to mm-hmm. emphasize the naked sheep. <laughs> just feel like make them look real cold. Yeah, yeah. Make the audience feel really sorry for them when I walk past. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get into what you have been doing this week in Minecraft in just a minute. Uh, I have not been doing anything, so I've got nothing to really add. I've been busy doing adult stuff, and I was actually at a podcasting conference this Saturday. Uh, might even get into a little bit uh, uh, about that in the in the post show uh, for our Render Distance listeners. But speaking of our listeners, it is the first show of the month. Uh, May, Monday, or sorry, uh, May 1st was uh, on a non-show day. So uh, this is our opportunity to say thank you to all of our listeners. We are listener-supported, both by Spawn Chunk members on Patreon, but also by listeners just like you, people that listen, that share the show with their friends, that share us on social media, and that contribute to the show uh, via email and write in, ask us questions, suggest topics, suggest guests. Uh, and we have been blown away by the growth of the show in the last couple of months. And just always want to just come back and say thank you, you guys. It's, it's, and girls, it's, it's just so fun for us to produce the show in our own time, knowing that there are dedicated people listening. It, it makes every minute that we put into this 100% worth it. Absolutely. And and just seeing the community in the Spawn Chunks Discord grow, I know we talk about it a lot, but it's because a lot happens in there. And just like some very, very cool discussions coming up in the last, you know, few days even, especially with 1.14 being the hot new release. Everyone's got their opinion, everyone's got their take, and it's been so good to create like a, a community that self-identifies as the friendliest corner of the internet uh, whenever anybody new comes into into the discord it's always great to see that and yeah it's been it's been fantastic getting everybody's input whether you're a, a supporter of the show or not like joel said it's it's great to uh to get emails from people who want to contribute if they can't contribute financially but uh yeah for the folks who've been supporting us on patreon so far thank you it is it is a pleasure to have you as always yeah and 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 I've also found that the the Discord has become my source for a lot of news. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of well, there's a lot of information sharing. Like maybe not necessarily like news that we read out on the show, but if you want to find out, like, oh, hey, how is one fourteen working? Like, how how does this affect this? Does anybody know how this happens before I update my world? And there's enough people now in the community that ultimately somebody you know, we'll be able to say, actually, yeah, I did that on my server or like, I didn't care that much about my world as you care about yours. And I just threw caution to the wind and tried this and X happened. And mm-hmm. people can say either, oh, good. I'm glad to know that's fine. Or Ooh, huh, maybe I should wait. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's good to know that, that that kind of information is just available. And it, rather than searching through Reddit or searching through the internet, you've got a, a relatively compared to like the internet at large, the discord is a very small community and the chances of you getting an earnest answer are, are more likely. The news and is more I, curated when, when yeah. viewed through that lens. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, very, very cool. Um, so like I said, I, I have not been in game probably even for two weeks outside of messing around with 114 in a, in a creative world when it dropped. So what have you been doing in Minecraft over the last little while? So aside from the sheep farm, which has gone very well, like I said, uh, I've been messing around with some other new mechanics like uh, getting wither roses from a wither. That was a lot of fun. Did that for a survival wow. guide episode. I fought the wither, but before I did that, I spawned in a bunch of, I say spawned in, I threw eggs on the ground until I got a ton of chickens. Um, and then waited for the chickens to grow up and then literally sacrificed the chickens to the wither, um, which <laughs> which was great. Um, the, the wither rose mechanic is actually quite reliable uh, from what I can see. And I believe Cubfan, somebody pointed me towards Cubfan who tested it and items are more, if they're not more blast proof than they are before, I wasn't giving them enough credit beforehand because apparently they can take about four or five direct hits from the wither before the items actually get destroyed. Um, so yeah, not sure if they have changed that for this update or not, but even so, uh, I was able to get about 20 wither roses out of just spawning in as many chickens as I could. I think it might've even been 20 chickens just at the oh, wow. end of a corridor, summoned the wither, ran to the other end of the corridor, ran back. All the chickens were dead, killed the wither and got a ton of these new flowers. Uh, I'm not oh, planning cool. on doing anything intensive with them yet. I just wanted to demonstrate suspicious stew and the fact that these right. new, these three new flowers are in the game for dyes. But uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to know that it's relatively reliable and there are already Wither Rose farms out there, apparently. Naturally, the Psycraft guys and folks like that are... The technical community is on it as far as making this stuff as convenient as possible. If your idea of convenient is trapping a Wither in bedrock and funneling mobs in... Um, but right. you, you can kind of imagine how that stuff works yourself even if you haven't seen the videos but it's yeah. it's a lot of fun to play around with that stuff on the flip side uh, I had my first encounter with a wandering trader and while I love the design of these guys they are pretty much useless when it comes to trades and I'm kind of di <laughs> disappointed by that in general this is probably the first negative opinion I've ever shared on this show I think because I'm normally the I'm the enthusiastic one but no I um I love the design of them. They turn up with the llamas. It's great. This The first guy I met was selling, for a start, wheat seeds, which is immediately a slap in the face because everybody I know has far <laughs> too many wheat seeds, more than they need, right? Um, and I, I can I can yeah. totally acknowledge that, yes, if this was a skyblock scenario and I started with nothing, then a wandering trader showing up would be great. But then how have I gotten emeralds in the first place, right? So, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of give and take with that. But the second wandering trader I encountered was trading... What was he trading? Uh, some coral and some red sand some stuff that i was like oh okay this is actually renewable resources now that's kind of it's nice to have the option to trade some of that stuff which otherwise i would have to go out into the world and collect and you know collect right. in the knowledge that that stuff was a limited supply but then his trades locked after i traded maybe six blocks of coral from him and about 24 red sand and there's no way of refreshing them he disappears he's gone forever and you know there's a roll of the dice about which trades he has when he comes back so it really didn't feel like while i understand that the the principle of it is to tease that kind of content for players who haven't explored very far and go oh look there's red sand in the world did you know that there's coral in the world go and find a yes. coral reef maybe i get that that's the the principle of it but as somebody who has already gone and seen those things the wandering trader has literally no payoff to me aside from turning up looking pretty and then leaving behind a couple of llamas uh, yeah. so yeah i was i was a little bit miffed by the wandering trader in general good to actually you know, demonstrate that he shows up for my YouTube series, but I won't be counting on them, which in a way is good because they turn up so randomly and they cannot be kept 
in the area and and their trades can't be restocked that it makes no sense to actually rely on one of them to show up you'd be waiting a long time and ultimately probably be quite disappointed yeah yeah in a world where they they often say like hey when we create a block we want to make sure that it's something that you know can be used in a multiple of ways you know whether it looks good in a path but also hey you know in a wall uh works as a roof but then also works as you know other other textures and things like that i feel like that's the kind of philosophy they need to apply when they're introducing new things like the wandering trader yes you know, introduce new players to new blocks that they can't see because they haven't found them yet and say, hey, you know, you can if you travel far enough and you adventure far enough, which is fun, you will find things like coral blocks and red sand blocks. But to not have anything in there for later and either end game players or players that have not started their world over again, right? Yeah. People that already know that that stuff exists. I feel like you need to have some other functionality and you can gate it. You can say like, hey, you know, new player, these blocks exists. Here's, you know, the, the way that it works. Uh, if you want maybe more of these, then you have to have more emeralds or you have to be able to trade more. And a new player is not going to have that content. Like, he's like, I don't have enough emeralds to buy a lot of these. I, you know, I only have, you know, this because I'm starting off, you know. Uh, that's that's anecdotal. I don't I don't know if that would work. But like, there's there feels like there's some sort of missing mechanic for... Uh, we'll say end game players. Yeah, you know? here's here's the the changes I would make to wandering traders right now is either a don't let their trades lock at all because the limit there is going to be the despawn timer which happens regardless. Um, right. And as as far as I know, even through some extra kind of redstone trickery, like maybe bouncing you up and down on a slime block permanently so he he can't like despawn or something that kind of stuff wouldn't work as far as i know i don't think anyone has come up with a way to keep wandering traders around but perhaps they don't have any motivation to but even so i think capping his trades at a certain amount doesn't really make sense if he's still going to despawn and remove those trades from your vicinity anyway um or alternatively or perhaps as well why not give him a chance to trade something like Tridents for a high price? For the folks who don't want to go out and farm Drowned, um, give, give him like a Trident for 64 emeralds. And I know right now it's tiered between 1 and 6 emeralds for stuff that he sells, and so jumping to 64 would be kind of ludicrous. But there are definitely ways to incentivize players to enjoy a wandering trader popping by uh, and, and giving him something like a Trident, which you could otherwise struggle pretty heavily for farming 64 emeralds is not going to be as easy as it used to be because of the way villager stuff works so you're encouraging players to invest in learning how the new trading mechanics work and then giving them a payoff through the wandering trader having a trident or or something more unique like that i think the best thing they sell is nautilus shells which you can also just get from afk fishing so there are there are different ways of of getting a lot of the stuff that he already has I think he should be given something a little bit more unique. If not a whole new item added to the game, then at least something that's a little harder to get, like a trident, for my money, I think. I like the idea of putting a high, like a higher trade, something that's re- like really outlandish in there and, and encouraging endgame players to then have those other mechanics. but And still also serve that purpose of the new player going like, what the heck is a trident and where would I get one in the first place besides just this person? And then when they do find one in the world by, you know, fighting drowned or whatever, eventually they can decide, huh, 
that was either worth the time investment in adventure or nope, don't want to do that again. I'm just going to save up my emeralds and the next time I see one with a trader, I'll just, I'll get one that way. Yeah, that, um, that, that yeah. sort of makes sense to me. And the trader is also, as far as I know, not one who is influenced by the economy of a village. So if you have hero of the village, uh, I don't know if that applies to the wandering trader. I've never had that intersection happen where I've had hero of the village and then tried trading with a wandering trader. So I might try that in creative to see if it actually affects the prices at all but mm -hmm. even so if you have like a reputation with villagers in a certain area i don't think wandering trader is affected by that so you wouldn't get a discount on a trident you know you would basically have to mm. go with whatever prices he was throwing your way so it it makes sense to me that kind of stuff i don't want to say for sure because i don't remember my source but i feel like i have heard that that is not the case that would have been long enough ago though that it was well into the early snapshot so that it could have very well been true that it does not affect it at that point and that may have changed i don't yeah, know maybe um, maybe probably just a mishmash of all the videos that we've watched over the last few week, months you know like learning about the the updates and stuff like that so uh what are you planning to do in the coming weeks for um survival guide now that 114 is out villages are going to be my focus from now on i think because i've gone and seen what the effect that what update uh 1.14 has done to my existing villagers my villager trading hall and everything and i have an established villager breeder that worked in 113 now i need to figure out how the new mechanics work and instead of trying to convert the stuff i'd already built i decided i'm going to go really far away and make my own village from scratch so i'm deep diving villagers i think just this week but potentially into future weeks as well if i want to explore more stuff like iron farms and raids and that kind of thing uh so what i decided to do because you don't have naturally generated jungle or swamp villages in the world but there are costumes unique to those biomes I went out to a place where there is an intersection between a jungle biome and a swamp biome and I cured zombie villagers from both biomes. So I now have like a little group of villagers who I haven't let out of their kind of curing stone boxes yet, uh, but I plan to start a villager breeder out there. Basically, I've, I've walled off a section with like big logs and stuff, kind of done a walled village uh, style thing and I've been painstakingly lighting up everything in that area so that zombies can't spawn in the interior of this wall and what i plan to do is start like a villager breeding program there and explore what exactly villagers need now how the beds and workstations and and even doors how they interact with doors even though they've been removed from the equation of what makes a village villagers still mm -hmm. interact with doors in certain ways so i'm i'm looking forward to unpacking that and seeing what's changed but that's still very much like new territory for me even though i've been keeping up with the changes and i know sort of what the deal is i still need to actually look at what that looks like in practice now <laughs> i think it's because of our 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 marvel discussion in pre-show when you start talking about like this this villager kind of like program it just makes me think of like you know x-men mutant you know, oh yeah no, totally. like, it's it sounds like you're experimenting to eventually find what makes the super villager tick right yes. like no exactly <laughs> like yeah it's, it's it's everything but putting them on the table and dissecting them basically yeah so uh but yeah we'll we'll see if any of them annoy me throughout the rest of the week if, if i get any nitwits then maybe we'll we'll see but yeah I'm, I'm trying to get one villager of every profession including an unemployed guy and nitwit uh, so there's 15 mm. possible like costumes from each of the biomes so we know what every swamp villager looks like and every jungle villager looks like so that's about 30 villagers which i think is a decent population should probably start spawning some iron golems just because they won't have one to begin with 
and then that can springboard into all of the more technical stuff that we can do with villagers further down the line yeah and forgive me if i'm if you said this already but jungle and swamp are the two places where villages do not spawn yes currently, yeah right? exactly yeah. yes so so you can you can see naturally spawned villages in tigers snowy biomes deserts savannas and plains and as far as i'm aware the plains type of villager that costume is what you get if you cure a zombie villager or you breed villagers any other biome in the world but then swamp and jungle do have unique costumes with no pre-generated structures there so I'm, mm. I'm building it from scratch entirely and seeing how it all works out. Very, very cool. Well, as one might expect, the news over the last week has been fairly light. Uh, Java Edition 1.14.1 uh, was teased uh, a little bit. There are uh, There's a list of kind of patch notes on, a, on the wiki page. Uh, and uh, Nathan Adams, uh, Dinnerbone, on April 30th said we are hoping to release a test build either the end of this week or the beginning of next so that was on uh last Tuesday so here we are at the beginning of next week uh still nothing I I looked around and I couldn't find any other information other than just this one tweet from from Dinnerbone yes Adrian um, Ostergaard did tweet an eyeball emoji earlier today but I'm checking his Twitter feed now and that was two hours ago he has not said anything since and he is the guy who's been pushing the blog posts for the updates recently uh he's kind of mm -hmm. taken that over from dinnerbone while dinnerbone was away and i think he's just kind of still doing that now so potentially that means there's a a kind of pre-release of 114.1 in the works today but don't take our word as gospel on that because it's literally an eyeball emoji that's all he said yeah i mean i mean the, the translation is like hey watch this space exactly uh, yeah and the rest of the minecraft community says um Duh, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we have been weeks. watching your space <laughs> yeah, because yeah. all of these spaces in our world is the other thing we've been watching. <laughs> Can we have our yeah. chunks back, please? But uh, yeah, yeah, so and and I I wasn't aware. Uh, I knew I knew about the chunk loading issue, but that is one of the last bugs that they list on this list. There's a large list of major bugs mm -hmm. uh, that are are supposed to be addressed in this update. Things like hostile mobs not despawning at 128 plus blocks uh hostile mobs not spawning at all uh lots of problems with iron golems and villages and i was like wow like th these are some large large bugs and i we won't get into the too much of the nitty-gritty i think we covered it a lot with python last week in terms of you know i certainly did with my disappointment in, in the 114 release mm -hmm. um but uh, they're working on it they're obviously aware of a lot of the things that have to change uh, so if you are waiting um, for the update as i am it's one of the reasons why i haven't played is because the citadel is still on 113 then just hold hold your horses and be patient and i feel like we'll have more information probably in the next couple of days i i, I don't see them saying you know uh later this week and early next being way off the mark yeah right? yeah and, you know, and they, i would i would also encourage everybody who's giving feedback about this stuff to be kind because i've seen a lot of particularly scathing criticism of this update and while we all mm -hmm. like to yell at these guys when they're you know making changes to a game we all love i think it's important to keep a little bit of perspective and remember that there are there are people developing this game that's that's all, all i really need to say about the subject but uh, yeah yeah, we'll... yeah constructive exactly keep it constructive. constructive criticism yeah 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 uh did you see anything in the news this week that kind of caught your eye 
Yeah, the, the Minecraft Twitter account has been up to some shenanigans, and we know that the 10-year anniversary of Minecraft first being published is coming up on May 17th, which is also my birthday, just going to say. Like, me and Minecraft share a birthday, I'm not saying it's fate <laughs> or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's coming up, the 10-year thing, and the Minecraft Twitter account posted a cryptic tweet, which you actually managed to decipher before I really got to it, because the, there was a picture of what was the original... 1.9 promotional art uh, for the end update. So uh, Steve and an Alex player sort of flying away from an end city wearing elytra. Uh, it was an edited version of it where they are now wearing both chest plates and elytra, but the community couldn't quite work out if that was like artistic interpretation or if it was actually a, a, a hint that maybe mine, you know, future episode, future updates of Minecraft are going to allow players to wear both elytra and chest plates consecutively. Um, but the the caption that accompanied this was the end never the end never yields enough adequate resources sadly, and to me this read like a cryptic crossword clue or an anagram or something, and so mm -hmm. I was trying to decipher it, and then you I, I put this in the show notes, and then you were like, yeah, that if you take the first letter of every word, it just spells ten years, and I went, oh, <laughs> that's that's potentially all it is. It's just them kind of going, okay, there's a ten year thing coming up. We've got some plans, but. A lot of people notice the fact that this is highlighting the end in particular and actually saying something about the end as if to say, like, we're not happy with how the end is right now. And they're thinking, are some of the dimensions going to get an update? Is this them hinting at what Minecraft 1.14 might be like? Also, yeah. if Minecraft 1.14 is going to... Uh, 1.15, rather, sorry, is going to include the functionality for the smithing table and so forth, does that mean that the players wearing elytra and chest plates is actually a thing that's going to happen because they weren't wearing the chest plates at all in the original art it was just like just elytra so interested in that but i i like the fact that they are they're, they're pushing people towards like oh hey we've got a 10-year thing coming up we have something planned they're not just gonna randomly drop something on us yeah this wasn't something that really rose to my to my list of like i care about this deeply it's sure like, yeah well, it just it, it's a kind of a pain in the butt if you're doing anything difficult in the game that the elytra replaces your chest plate but i've always thought that was meant to be the trade-off is just like if you yeah. want to fly around then you're going to be super vulnerable when you do so and it's mm -hmm. like all right fine makes the game a little bit harder i'm okay for that now that i'm better at the game at first i did find it very troubling yeah <laughs> I, I died i died a fair bit uh when i had elytra and i still got them back but it was one of those things where like how did i just buy it it's like oh i don't have a chest plate on <laughs> you know that's that's why that skeleton owned me uh on on normal mode and it's like mm -hmm. well i don't understand um I will say at first I thought I don't really care about the end uh, or an end update. So I'm not sure why people are so, you know, grasp grabbing onto the literal translation transla uh, translation of like the end doesn't yield any adequate resources. And it's like, yeah, of course it doesn't. Have you been there? It's like three different blocks. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, of course there's nothing. I'm exaggerating. There's more than three. Um, but it's a lot of endstone cheese. Like it's just a lot of the same stuff. And them saying like, well, we're not satisfied with it. Of course you're not satisfied with it. It's it's pretty dull. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I thought, well, wait a minute, backtrack. You know, I have on the show before mentioned like I would much prefer incremental updates. I don't think that they need to wait for an entire 1.15, 1.16 to do updates like add new blocks. And uh, the end 
despite not being the popular choice, many people would say the nether needs more love. Many people would say caving needs more love and mining in the game needs to be made more fun and those things need more attention. I would argue that the end is probably the easier update to make, which would give new content to people sooner. It hasn't actually... The, the nether has had an update more recently than the end has everyone kind of points to the end and goes 1.9 because end cities came out and elytra and everything like that and then in 1.10 which was the update that also introduced i think woodland mansions that was when the nether got this overhaul that introduced magma blocks and started enderman spawning there so it didn't necessarily get new structures but there were a few additions which have now come to bear on you know, future versions like magma blocks are now used in bubble columns and generate right. in the overworld and that kind of thing. So in terms of like the order in which you would expect them to update things, maybe the end is actually kind of next in the list. It's kind of cycled back around to being the thing that's at the forefront of their minds. Yeah, I, I really hope that they are able to add, because I mean, even if you don't change the structure at which things are made, like even if the terrain generation is still the middle island the obsidian columns and the outer ring and the way that everything works and all that kind of stuff while i think some players would appreciate more frequent end cities um i also think that it would not be anecdotally difficult to say let's just change the composition of these islands to be more than just end stone i mean it's the equivalent of making an entire landscape in the overworld out of cobblestone yeah. right it's it's boring to look at it it's a pain in the butt to mine and you can't or don't really use it that often in anything else. Um, so if they had changed, if they changed what those end islands are made of, like imagine if there are three and four different things. What if there's a new mineral? What if it becomes exciting to mine through an island and hope you don't mine through the bottom of it, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. there, there could be some excellent, excellent gameplay added in there simply by changing the composition of the ground that you stand on. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I'm 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 choosing a positive, you know, kind of vibe on this. At first I was just like, "Oh god, another cryptic tweet." Like, "Come on." But um but if they do go this way, then I, I think it could be it could be kind of kind of fun. And again, I kind of I can see something like a 115 being a combat update and saying, "Yeah, that that needs to be a full version." That affects tons of stuff and tons of players in many many different ways but updating end blocks is something that could be a 14.2 14.3 yeah. like it's it's something that we could have in between and i think that pardon my hubris moyang would be smart to have some incremental fun worthy updates between 114 and whatever happens next. sure yeah and l lest we forget by the way 1.9 was the combat update that's what the the um, 1.9 combat is what everybody talks about when the change happened but i feel like right. that in itself while it's still a contentious issue might have also been overshadowed by the fact that the end got an update then as well so this is sort of harkening yeah. back to that in an interesting way two two things i would personally implement somehow about the end for a start one there are actually biomes within the end islands believe it or not if you hit f3 when you're walking around the end it changes from area to area you have end barrens and end highlands 
and they look virtually indistinguishable from each other. It's not like, it's not even like chorus plants spawn in one area but not the other. No, they look virtually identical except maybe one of them is slightly more hilly than the other, but you wouldn't notice because you're just going through it to get towards end cities. So maybe they can do something with that, like you're suggesting with additional blocks maybe spawning and like making the landscape a little bit more interesting than just barren moon rock everywhere. The mm. second thing mm. I would love to see them do with the end is actually enable player uh, transportation in a better way. Like have a portal system like the nether or something else like that that allows players to get back to a specific location and continue from there if that's where they left off their last exploration of the end instead of requiring everybody to go out from the central hub every single time they visit that's the i've actually had a few people ask on the streams and in videos recently what happens if you build a nether portal in the end and the answer is nothing you light an obsidian frame and it just gets set on fire no portal pops up or anything but if there was a way of traversing the end permanently that actually made it possible to get back to an area then you can have people building bases in the end in a more sustainable way and it doesn't take, you know, 12,000 million blocks of flying to get back to the place you last were. I feel like that would be an improvement. I have no idea how they would implement that, but I would kind of like yeah. it to happen. Yeah, I feel like there there could, I don't know, they, I feel like there could be some way of connecting it with the end gateways. Because there's, what, 20 that spawn? Mm-hmm around the dragon and unfortunately when you're dealing with the radius of the end islands it even if you go you know if you go at 12 o'clock and and then the, the next tick over whatever that that you know number you know if you go from end gateway number one to end gateway number two the end result on the outer ring is still like really far away yeah um from from each other and so there if there was a way to kind of like pinpoint that or do something with it and i there's a system there they would have to change the way that it works but i yeah i i can't think of anything either but yeah it's the idea of of end highlands and end you know barons and stuff like that that to me is really interesting you could end up with the kind of floating island look that people try to achieve in you know um creative builds and in modding and um and stuff like you know biome bundle and things like that that could be really cool. Imagine you're flying over to an end city and instead of being stuck out of a, a piece of yellow rock, it's like embedded into the side of a mountain and there's a river that flows off into nothingness, mm -hmm. you know, and it just, it looks, reminds me of, um, remember the old, the older film, uh, never ending story yeah. where they're flying, you know, the, the nothing has broken up, yeah. you know, the yeah, world yeah. and the pieces are things, things are still happening. Like water still flows, but the rock is like floating through the void and like that kind of stuff harkens back to like fantasy of, of the eighties and my youth. And I, I, I find that, that really appealing, but I feel like that's the kind of nostalgia that they could capitalize on as long as they don't get too heavily into like just ripping off other people's IP. I well, think they could, yeah. they could I mean, make it their own. I yeah. Think. Yeah, at some point you I mean everybody's telling the same stories over again. But yes, yeah, I think I think there's enough originality in the end in Minecraft that they that all they have to do is just kind of like tweak a little bit in it. It's still very much very much their own. Well, speaking speaking of things that end, <laughs> I think this this <laughs> this piece of chunk mail is actually a really great segue between the news and the rest of the chunk mail we plan to cover in this episode because with you not having um, you know, really ventured into 1.14 all that much, we felt like it was probably a good thing to dig through the inbox and answer a bit of of mail from our listeners so uh i i'm gonna go first and read this one because this is quite a long one but it feels like a 
a newsworthy item. At least the rest of the world seems to have thought so. Uh, this is sent in by Andy, so thank you, Andy, for the email. It says, hello, Pixelriffs and Joel. I'm an avid Minecraft player and consumer of Minecraft media, including your podcast. I've been a long-time viewer of a Twitch streamer known as Philzer. He exclusively plays Minecraft on hardcore mode for a small but dedicated audience, and had until recently survived for over five years in his hardcore world, which is frankly a pretty great achievement. Uh, hardcore, for the folks at home who don't know, quick aside, uh, is the version of Minecraft where you play on hard and you only have one life. If you die, that's it. You don't get to play in that world anymore. Your options are to view the world in spectator mode where you can't interact with anything, or just delete it. Uh, so, sidebar over. Uh, over the last several years in his world, he's transitioned to making epic builds and has achieved some truly amazing things. He died this past Wednesday, uh, 24th of April, working on his latest build, hollowing out a huge area underneath a swamp, housing a witch farm for a custom biome he was going to make. He was lighting up the area he was working on, causing mob spawns to compact into unlit caves that he'd occasionally find. He came up against a baby zombie with fully enchanted golden armor, a creeper, a skeleton, and a spider all at once, and he died fi fighting them off and almost ate a notch apple before he died. So he was very close to saving himself, but he died. Uh, his clip of the event has gone viral and is now the most viewed Minecraft Twitch clip of all time, with, at the moment, just shy of 1 million views. Now, that was when Andy sent the email. Since then, it's got up to 1.3 million when I checked earlier. Um, so his story got picked up by a number of gaming and news websites, including the BBC, who interviewed him on BBC TV and BBC Radio. I saw this myself on Polygon and Kotaku and a bunch of other gaming news sites as well. Uh, and Andy was writing because uh, he thought it would be a great idea to either interview him here on the podcast, or at least give him a mention to bring up the topic of Minecraft Hardcore, which is something that we haven't really talked about much before on the show. Uh, Philza is a great guy and deserves all the love he is currently getting and giving Minecraft. Thanks, Andy. So we're going to include a clip of this in the show notes. First of all, strong language warning, he does swear, because you would after losing a five-year world uh, to a what is otherwise seems like a fairly avoidable death. Um, but thank you for the email, Andy, and uh, Fs in the chat for Filza, because, yeah, I saw a few people sharing this, and it always it, it felt like it was going out with a whimper rather than a bang. It wasn't like he he intended it. It was very much an unintentional panic death, and that's... That's always a bit of a, a rough feeling, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't speak to the hardcore experience. I know what it is, but once I learned what it is, like, nope, not yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I'm, I'm just not that good at Minecraft PvP or PvE. Uh, First-person sword play in video games, bad idea. Mm -hmm. I just, I've never thought it was a good mechanic. And Minecraft is far from a good shooter. Like you, it has the shooting capability with arrows, but it's not a, it's not a good shooter. And I've played good shooters. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like one of the nice things about Minecraft being a sandbox game is you can play a hardcore mode if you want to. If that's how you want to play, you can. I just I've never seen the appeal. Yeah, the risk versus reward just does not seem to be there for me. Stuff like this is why I don't play hardcore because I get so invested in stuff, and of course, the longer you play, the more you've got to lose. Um, looking at the survival guide series, my first death was after I just finished building one of those bubble column guardian farms. So I filled out a fifty-eight by fifty-eight block area with soul sand placing the blocks individually, dealing with guardians the entire time. I set up the kill mechanism for the guardians, a bunch of them shot me and I died. And 
that that by itself was deflating enough but i can't imagine how it must have felt like it would have felt if i'd been in a hardcore thing and and that would that would be the end of my youtube series for a start i imagine philzo is probably just going to you know take a week off and then come back and start a brand new world and try and go for even further because that's the mentality but then yeah just the the idea that you could lose everything and there's no going back from it i mean in technically speaking you can probably go into the world files and like edit the tag that says you've died back to zero or something and i'm pretty sure there are ways of getting back into hardcore worlds but that defeats the spirit of it yeah my my question was going to be like could you not use some map editing and and yeah. and stuff like that and, oh, you absolutely and co can. copy your chunks over into a new world and just like well I died. I'm not saying I didn't, but now this is no longer a hardcore series. This is just me playing in survival because I put five years of work into this and I don't want to start over. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can do that for sure. I'm pretty sure there are tools that exist or even just a, a text file you can edit that will will change that. But yeah, it's it's an honor thing ultimately with hardcore. And I've I've always seen it as a good mode to have like PVP tournaments and stuff in because it feels more realistic. Once you're dead, you're dead. Mm, kind of you're thing. Dead, yeah. Um yeah, and so it it makes a little bit more sense to me for tournaments like UHC where you have a two-hour window and a world border shrinks around you and eventually it just leads to a battle royale style deathmatch but then as a survival world like playing the way that I do I don't think I could handle it you have to be so well prepared for eventualities like this and the fact that he's done this for five years alone is a pretty remarkable achievement and I believe that's just you know the world record at the time for yeah however long somebody wow. has kept a, a hardcore world for i mean five years lest we forget is half the lifespan of minecraft at this point and mm -hmm. i don't know if he'd updated to 1.14 or anything like i don't know quite what he he was he was doing there but you've kept a world around for five years that's longer than i've been playing at this stage so it's oh, yeah a pretty monumental effort um twice as long as i've been playing <laughs> yeah. yeah um but but i feel like the the appeal with hardcore is always that lingering threat of permadeath it's the same thing that motivates people who play stuff like Dark Souls. It's the glutton for punishment approach where like you're, mm. you're, you're, you're fending death off for as long as you can, but you know somehow that it's going to be inevitable. And you have to approach that kind of gaming with that sort of mindset. Either that or you, you, you end up getting cocky. You're just like, well, I've, I've become invulnerable now. I've been doing this for five years. I'm never going to die. That's it. And <laughs> looking at his armor bar was the funniest thing because I think he was wearing elytra and he didn't have a chest plate on um and and i i saw the armor and i was like okay so he's for a start he's not as well defended as he could be and there's a few it's <laughs> a few things that like you're always going to look at that stuff and go okay you could have done this this and this so much better but in the moment it's all just going to happen so fast yeah 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 and especially because of the mobs on hardcore are probably like trucks like you know I, I, that amount of mobs is serious trouble Mm -hmm. Whereas you and I running into that in regular survival is just like, man, whatever, there's like three or four mobs here. Like it's not, you know, I can't be a, a noob, but I can, if I pay attention, it's not going to be a difficult situation to get out of. Yeah. You know, but uh, I still don't like baby zombies. They will still tag me at <laughs> least twice before I, I hit them. It's not like I get out of there with, you know, eight or nine hearts. Like I'm usually down to six. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's just because I can't hit them. You know, yeah. I just, I have that issue. And while spiders never hit hard enough to do any damage to me, I can never tag them before they tag me. Mm -hmm. There's just something about the spatial 
um, relationship in Minecraft to where that spider is in the hitboxes that I just can't seem to grasp in the first person. Yeah, just does not does not sit. The uh, the other thing the the other in thing is uh, it's an indictment of the fire aspect enchantment as well because he had fire aspect on his sword. He set the baby zombie on fire. Uh, then the yes. baby zombie set him on fire. And so yeah, that that's that's why I don't play with fire aspects. A few people <laughs> yep. have said like what what if you want to cook steak or whatever? What if you want easy access to like cooked beef? I smelt the beef that I get. It's not it's not a big deal and it seems a little bit safer than having mobs be able yeah. to like speed up to you and set you on fire. Yeah, and faster now that you can smoke it instead of instead yeah, of uh exactly. instead of smelt instead of putting it in a furnace. Now I want to be very clear, this is a little devil's advocate and is aimed at hardcore in general, not at Filza specifically. Mm-hmm. But out of curiosity, how much of playing and streaming hardcore do you think is motivated by the attention that your eventual death will get oh i imagine it is something like that yeah i i mean i i have dabbled in hardcore in the past when i did a i did a brief kind of like dragon rush kind of game when 1.9 came out because i wanted to be like let's let's do the game in one stream kind of from start to finish let's start a brand new world find stronghold kill dragon and do the new dragon fight as it was at the time because it was new to the pc version and so i did that in hardcore and there were definitely several people including one of the moderators in the chat who were like basically cheering on my death um and and <laughs> like a, a crowd gets behind that stuff for a bit of fun they don't necessarily want to see you die but they want there to be tension and if you're an incredibly careful player and if you're kind of just staying out of any kind of confrontational situations like that then yes there's there's going to be moments where people are going to get bored and so to ratchet up the tension and excitement then obviously you want to you want to put yourself in risky situations but i can't imagine how many moments there have been over the last five years of him playing where there have been issues like that that he's just been able to get around and i haven't i've taken a look at the guy's youtube channel but i think he probably has a few clips on there that are like you know brushes with death or something like that and uh, we'll see yeah yeah the, the surviving by the skin of your teeth sort of thing i i've watched some streamers and i'm blanking on the names right now unfortunately um where they're playing like not necessarily a horror shooter but it's a shooter where the punishment is not permanent death but uh if you can't pass this section then you get put back a fair way like yeah. it's not like it's just a not just a room that you have to clear it's like oh no now you have to go and do this entire hallway again and and the game is as such that the the ai of the bad guys is not wholly repetitive so like the person at the end of the hallway is not always in the same spot spot like it could be a different bad guy it could be a different location that sort of stuff and for whatever reason that person's most recent save has them at lower health than i i ideally would like to be at to handle this challenge and so you start to see how carefully they progress when they finish a section and they they know that they're in a place where they can take a breath, you'll see them kind of like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. engage with the chat room. It's fun. Like I I can see I can see the draw there. I can see the draw there. I I, I think the the disconnect that I have is that in Minecraft I've done so much more. It's not just my hallway of of traversal as my loss. It's it's everything else mm-hmm. that because I get I get mad when I die even now in minecraft not like mad mad but like i just i i just get disappointed of the setback you know like i just i just don't want to deal with it yeah and so but again like i said that's the beauty of minecraft it's it's one of those things that you know you can play however you want for anybody who wants to uh experience the schadenfreude again that that clip will be in the uh, in the show notes for anyone who wants to wants to see the moment once again strong language warning but uh yeah maybe as a cautionary tale it might be worth a watch yeah for sure 
Um, our next email is from Dan. Uh, Dan says, hey, Pix and Joel, loved the last episode. He's talking about episode 37 and just wanted to chime in, in on the issue of villager trading in 114. You mentioned that uh, on that episode that trading to get emeralds has been a bit nerfed, which is absolutely true. However, many pillagers also drop emeralds, which could be a decent way to farm emeralds to make up for the trading change. Just a thought. Uh, Put in my two cents on the topic. Keep up the great content. Looking forward to more spawn chunks. Uh, I thought this was an excellent point that we didn't really talk about much. And I have to admit that since raids don't really interest me, I had overlooked the potential drop for emeralds. I was thinking instinctively, sorry, instinctively uh, more about crossbow drops, with which again don't really interest me. Sure. So I forgot that emeralds were a thing that you could get from raids and from outposts they're called pilger outposts yeah you get them occasionally yeah. as loot there but the loot in pilger outposts is negligible based like compared to the right. amount of effort that it takes to actually get to the top of one if you're on foot right. at least right uh, okay. but the regular pillagers i don't believe emeralds are part of their loot drops but when you're doing a raid you get vindicators and evokers spawning and their loot is ah. exactly the same as it would be in a woodland mansion which means they drop emeralds they drop totems of undying the vindicators drop axes so yeah, you can farm emeralds from raids if you feel like putting yourself through that, which I'm still not entirely convinced after my last brush with a raid is worthwhile. But if you've got traps and so forth, then I'm pretty sure the emeralds aren't necessarily a player kill drop, but you can probably put them in a position to die easily and it can be a way of farming that kind of stuff. Uh, what I was thinking was also people have noted with the right economy exploits, you can get like one emerald per carrot where previously you would have to trade like 17 carrots for an emerald, you can now manipulate the economy to the extent where the villagers trust you enough and you have uh, the hero of the village effect in, in, in effect and you get such a good discount that you end up being able to trade minimal amounts of resources for the maximum amount of emeralds. So at that point, emerald farming kind of becomes trivial once you've passed those first few steps. Um mm. So I'm wondering if maybe that does need a rebalance after a fashion, like if there should be an upper or lower limit that the emerald trading stuff should hit just to make sure that villagers aren't just completely OP as far as emeralds and getting new gear goes. But maybe that's also kind of the point. For the cleverer players, for the people who feel like they would exploit that aspect of the game, then you can. And for everybody else who just wants to trade with a village when they come across it but then leave again, then trading remains more or less the same as it has been in the past. Uh, I had one other thought about this, which was that foxes will now also drop emeralds too. If you find a fox in the wild, sometimes they have a chance to spawn with an emerald in their mouth, and then if they attack a chicken or if you drop something for them to pick up that they would prefer, like some food, then they will drop mm. that emerald. And so that's a very poor way of farming emeralds, but it is possible. The other thing that I was thinking about just as you were talking about having checks and balances, I would imagine even though I'm paying say 16 uh, carrots per emerald the fact that i can trade them at nauseum in 113 as many times as i want within an hour yeah i yeah. think is still more powerful than even getting one carrot for one emerald in 114 but when that villager can only trade once or twice a day or something like that um like once they lock out that's it Mm -hmm. so you're, yeah. you're only going to get maybe what eight 
eight emeralds, maybe sixteen at most, yeah. and then they're then they're gonna lock out, and then you can't return to that villager until another point in time, as yeah. opposed to currently all I have to do is just make sure I trade more than one kind of item, and the villager will pretty much uh, unlock. I say currently, I I mean in one thirteen. Um, I can just, as long as I'm trading like wheat and potatoes and carrots, then every time I exit that villager, when he's, all those three are all locked up, he just unlocks. Once in a blue moon, I have to go to pumpkins, but most of the time it's fine. I mean, I can take 10, 15 minutes and get 64 to, you know, 128 emeralds. And, and so I think the old way is still faster. Um, but I, I think too, that the raw trading is painfully slow mm -hmm. compared to like what you said about the in 114 the exploitative trading or should I say expo the the gamed trading will say you're you're playing the game you're using the tools available to you it's not exploitation it's just like oh if i complete a raid and i get hero of the village and i get a discount then i can choose that as the best time to get more stuff and i mean ultimately i also have to say that while i can get a lot of resources very quickly in 113 it's boring it's mm -hmm. it's not fun to sit there and trade with villagers for even 15 minutes. This is like, ugh. I'm doing it while like my coffee's brewing. <laughs> like yeah. it's not, I don't do it as part of my playtime to enjoy and have fun, right? It's something I do as a chore, you know, whereas I feel like if I was going to try and get some emeralds and, and do a raid, like that's content. Like that's stuff that you and I could stream. That's stuff that you can sit down and enjoy and test these new mechanics and have fun doing it. I think that that's, it's, it's an interesting change. I can't really say whether I like it or not, because I haven't done it yet, but I, I will eventually give it a try. It certainly ends up uh, making more sense to people who don't want to build like a massive crop farm. If you don't want to build like a carrot farm that's being farmed by villagers and churning out like a chest full of carrots every day, then yeah, it makes a bit more sense for small scale farms to be able to trade at a smaller price. And yes. yeah, it, it, it kind of makes sense. Okay, yeah, so let's let's move on to the... I was just uh, going to suggest that we move on to the next one, yeah. The next one, yeah. This is uh, an, uh, uh, an email that we actually carried over from last week. This is the one that I said we would skip because we were chatting to Python. Uh, but this is from Wati, uh, who says, Hello guys, I'm a 55-year-old player who has a 13-year-old special needs son. We play together and I have created a world on Realms, which we share. It allows us to play together even if I'm out, out away. Um, currently he's creating an easter egg hunt a little bit late uh, for us to do using coloured shulker boxes with turtle eggs inside. Uh, I heard the comment on your latest podcast that turtles were a bit of a meh addition to the game. My son loves them. Although he cannot tame them, he still names them using name tags and follows them around the realm. It's sometimes fun to be involved with a build or exploring and see Timmy the turtle come cruising by. Not everything in Minecraft needs to be exploitable. There is an argument for the aesthetic value of animals. There's also a certain wow factor that I still get when coming across a polar bear and her cub while exploring, say, Arctic biomes. In fact, we'd like more. We'd love to see biome-specific critters like lions, bears, deer, antelope, sharks, whales, hawks and eagles, even squirrels and songbirds. Not all of these need to have valuable drops, although deer are obvious game animals. Neither do their AIs need to be too complicated. They could go a long way to making the experience more realistic just by appearing as part of the scenery like polar bears. Anyway, thanks for the podcast and keep up the good work, Watty and Son. Thank you so much for your email, and this is in reference to a discussion we had a couple of episodes ago, so we are coming to this email a little bit late, but uh, yeah, we, we kind of, we tend to look at features like this from a 
like a practical use, Joel and I, rather than the playful uses of them. And I mostly play single player, so I don't have anybody to like set up a scavenger hunt for. Um, but that does sound like a delightful way to spend an afternoon with family. So I hope you guys enjoyed your Easter egg hunt if you've done that already. I agree. And I think that in some ways, uh, now that the podcast is getting on, uh, new listeners may not know that we've touched on things like um, ambient you know, animals and songbirds and stuff like that before. Um, I think the issue that I have with turtles, it's less than I, I don't dislike them, but I think that a good parallel to draw is say turtles and dolphins. Uh, dolphins were presented as like, they don't drop anything. They swim around, they chirp, they look cute. They really add a lot to the environment. And Hey, if you're around them, they'll give you uh, what's it called? Um grace. Dolphin's grace. And you swim really fast. And it's fun. Turtles, however, were presented as like, you know, you can breed them, you can interact with them, you have to protect their eggs, and then you get these scoots that you can turn into a turtle helmet and all this kind of different stuff. Now there's also, is it the slow motion potion? The potion of slowness? The turtle master um, potion, yeah. Turtle master potion. So like there's all these different things that they do. And it was part of the marketing as part of the features. It's like you can interact with and do all these different things with turtles. I don't feel that the level of effort to do that equals the amount of fun that you would get out of it from an interaction standpoint, forgetting the fact that turtles kind of look pretty when they're swimming around in the water. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's where my turtles are kind of, you know, meh attitude comes from is that they were set up to be more than the expectations were set higher than they were delivered. Uh, whereas I'm perfectly fine with dolphins. I think they're great, but they weren't advertised to be anything else but what they are. And, sure. and I think that that's, that's kind of where, where I land on it. Um, but I, I really appreciate uh, the email reminding everybody that's like, hey, you know, like there's a lot of different ways to play this game and none of it's right or wrong, right? And, and it's great that you can do that with family as well. I think that's, yeah, that's one, of the yeah, things, yeah. The, one of the things I love about hearing other people's stories about how they play and, and playing with friends and playing with family is just the reminder that this game brings people together in a way that a lot of other games maybe don't. I think a lot of other games tend to get very competitive, whereas Minecraft can be competitive, but it can also be immensely collaborative in a way that I rarely see in other games. So it's mm -hmm. very it's very cool that you guys can, can play together and that your son's enjoying it. Um, I wanted to offer a couple of recommendations since you guys seem to like your animals. Uh, there is a map that I believe was only out for earlier versions of Minecraft, and I think at the time only on PC, it might be on Bedrock now, but it's called We Are the Rangers, and it's an educational map with an environmental message about wildlife conservation in the African bush, uh, but there is no harm in you going off script and just exploring the map, which has a bunch of existing Minecraft mobs reskinned as animals that are native to Africa, so there are elephants, I think you can ride those like horses, uh, I may be wrong about that, so don't want to set any expectations, but um, yeah, depending on which mobs they've reskinned, then they might look very different. Uh, they are giraffes as well, there are rhinos, there are bees, there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, part of the, the message of the map in terms of preserving endangered species and, and making sure that habitat stays viable for a lot of these, these animals, but it's also really fun to see what people have done with being able to inject a few different real creatures in and if you just want to walk around that it might be a fun map to explore there are also mods out there like mo creatures which last updated for minecraft 1.12 uh and famously the horse uh from mo creatures is the the one that ended up in the game the the guy who made the mo creatures mod made it 
way way back and has been updating it since but he was hired to make horses for the actual vanilla game uh but that was last updated for 1.12 and might also be fun if you want lots more animals i remember seeing a few modded series back in the day where there was a huge variety of stuff like you know lions and scorpions and and all kinds of things that weren't necessarily hostile they were just there as kind of part of the landscape so mm. might be worth looking into mods if you want to have a bit more animal exploration and you're frustrated that minecraft hasn't added more stuff like that in the vanilla game i'm always really impressed at the range of players and listeners to the spawn chunks in terms of like you know a 55 year old player and a 13 year old son i think it's awesome i i just i i want to hammer that home that the so nice to see that kind of a that kind of a range i guess uh, our next and final email is from surprise tulpa uh, hello johnny and joel after seeing the hightail trailer i have a thought does minecraft get the the amount of work hours it deserves and could potentially have with the amount of money it earns uh, they go on to explain minecraft raises as much money as most triple a games but the second uh but the second best selling game of all time um, but if you compare it to Witcher 3, GTA 5, for example, Minecraft lacks a lot of content, polish, stability, etc. Don't you think Minecraft would be a way better uh, and wider game if a AAA studio like CD Projekt Red or Rockstar would develop it and put the money back into the game? Uh, I feel like... I don't know. At this point, I would, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that Minecraft being um developed by a triple a developer is you wouldn't have the same game uh you're gonna have a little bit more i i think input on this johnny than i would but from my experience i think we would get few, much fewer glimpses into what's going on you would get a version of minecraft and then you would be stuck with those features for two to three years until they came out with another version and and i don't think i think it would be developed in a can I don't think there'd be nearly as much um, of player interaction, snapshots, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there was another comment in the email about how Hytale looks like Hypixel's attempt to bring a, a game in broad scope uh, as Minecraft. But then again, Hypixel's not a AAA studio either. Um, we've mentioned this before on the show, and that is that any competition in this space eventually will be good for Minecraft players. So I welcome the, you know, whatever Hypixel and Hytale is going to to be, I think it's going to drive, you know, better gameplay and better content for everyone that likes both games. Yeah, I think one of the things to put it in perspective is that Hytale is being developed now, whereas Minecraft was originally developed 10 years ago and has tried to remain the same game at least spiritually speaking, in terms of like, you know, the way players interact with the world. Obviously, new features have been added over time, but if Minecraft was developed now, the graphics might look completely different, the engine might be different, it might have been coded in a different language. There are things like that to consider. When Hypixel uh, make a feature-rich looking game like Hytale, you've got to realize that they are doing it 10 years on from the decade in which Minecraft was developed. I think a lot of the wow factor of Minecraft and part of the original selling point of the game, uh, at least initially, was that it was developed by one guy. And like other successful games throughout time, Tetris, actually, the best-selling game of all time is another one that was just developed by one person. Um, and obviously, teams are built around these giant games later, but when, say, like, Microsoft acquires Minecraft, 
the reaction from players was, well, Minecraft is screwed now because these giant corporations always acquire this stuff and then run it into the ground. Smash cut to today when somebody is asking us, don't you think a AAA studio should pick up Minecraft and make it better? And I, I really feel like the the attitude towards AAA studios and indie developers, there's, they're still both developing games. It's just, you know, there's just different approaches. Minecraft still feels like an indie game to a lot of people. And mm. Mojang, like you said, Mojang has had a strong history of communicating with players, which your typical AAA studio does not. They want to craft something in secret and then release it and players to have the full experience without seeing a lot of the the inner workings. And while obviously we don't see everything that goes on at Mojang, they are very transparent about talking to their players that they get feedback, that they try and make the game better based on player bug reports and, and feedback and that kind of stuff. Um, having the polish that a AAA game does also removes some opportunities for bug exploits and emergent gameplay, the type of stuff that sustains the technical community. For example, let's say a AAA studio took over Minecraft a few years back. Piston quasi-connectivity would just be gone. They would be entirely convinced with their own opinion that it was better without it and to bring it more in line with the other versions of Minecraft that are out on other platforms that don't have bugs like Piston quasi-connectivity that are now seen as features of Java Minecraft. Same goes for, yeah, like just ironing out all of the differences between Bedrock and Java, the stuff that I think makes the games both distinct and interesting disciplines in themselves would probably be completely gone and the resulting game might be worse. And I feel like a AAA studio would have that mindset of just bringing a unified experience without considering player feedback as heavily as Mojang has done. Mm-hmm. I think too that, that there'd be, not that Mojang is not concerned with the bottom line, but I think there would be a heavier focus on the bottom line of the game financially performing well from a AAA studio. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot of gameplay experience in these AAA titles just because I've never been into... Uh, not that I don't like them. I just have not had much of time, you know, to, to get into gaming, you know, console gaming, PC gaming, that sort of thing. However, uh, I feel like a better comparison would be actually lining up something like Minecraft with World of Warcraft, something that is an ongoing developed many, many years ago, uh, and has just been like iterated on and patched and updated since. And I think that like that is a good example of kind of like some landing in between like there's where minecraft is now then there's the triple a titles and then something like an mmo like world of warcraft kind of lands in the middle where it's an ongoing thing there is a new version every couple of years where they have a big kind of like release new storyline but there's also these mini patches that happen throughout where you've got new dungeon adventures new raids new bosses that sort of thing and and also a community there or and a developer there that you know has venues for players to communicate with the developer report bugs you know that sort of stuff and and i feel like that might be a better comparison i i don't know if if uh you know if if it was approached more like an mmo um if it if it will have that same sort of resonance i'm curious actually now that we've got other titles like minecraft dungeons coming from moyang you know if that game going forward uh, is treated a little bit more like a AAA title in that it is going to be like, this is what it is. It's not going to be patched every, you know, there's not going to be snapshots. There's not going to be yeah. version twos, point ones. It's like, nope, this is Minecraft Dungeons. It is what it is, you know, yeah. and if you like it, awesome. You know, like I don't see it going the road of D Diablo where like, you know, it, it's just going to be constantly updated, you know, as new patches comes out. I feel like... um 
I, I'm sure it will have some, the, the, the spirit of Minecraft in that it is going to be replayable. Like once you finish Minecraft Dungeons, I'm sure that you can just keep on playing it in a way that, that is satisfying uh, if they're smart. Um, but I don't think it's going to be something where then there's going to be a Minecraft Dungeons 1.2 in, you know, six or eight, 12 months, you know, mm -hmm. Th that that's just how I see it. Pure speculation. Yeah. Um, no, but, I, th I, th uh, I think yeah. it's, it seems unlikely that it's going to follow the same development cycle as the core Minecraft game. It, yeah. It well, because seems... why would it? They already have Minecraft. Like exactly. Wanna... Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a really good example of that emerging gameplay too is um, the the punch bow into rocket sort of situation that we've yeah. mentioned before. I know you've brought that up, mm -hmm. and that's that's always a good example of that sort of stuff too. Yeah, uh, the one thing I think a AAA studio could bring to Minecraft is a a more dedicated QA team. Um, and I think to this, mm. like the staffing getting to test a wider variety of scenarios before a full version gets released. With the recent kind of feedback about one point fourteen in mind. Um, the community's reaction to it has been, generally speaking, that the release was a little bit rushed and had too many obvious bugs, and also that Mojang is relying too heavily on players to bug test for them if they're putting stuff out like this and just expecting the community to feed back into that. Now, obviously, that's a very black and white view of a situation which is probably a lot more grey than that, but I think maybe there is room for a little bit more in-house testing to happen before an update comes out. I don't know exactly what the conditions were that the update had to come out at this time or or whatever, but I think it's it's potentially something that could be improved in future just to avoid situations like what we've had with 1.14 so far. Then again, there are a number of players out there, especially players on Bedrock, who won't have seen the same issues that we've seen on the Java version of the game and folks like me even who are just playing the java edition 1.14 anyway like we're, we're kind of a little bit more forgiving about the fact that there are bugs because we know those are going to get fixed and that's part of what i feel like the player trust relationship with mojang has been built up over the years to the point where we like we know that if we bring this stuff up it is going to get fixed and i don't really see AAA studios doing that all that much anymore so it's it's kind of it's an interesting concept, I'll admit, but it's uh, it's something that I'm quite happy that they haven't been just acquired by Rockstar or whoever at this point. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, that's probably going to do it for this episode. We've had a bunch of chunk mail today, and thank you all for submitting it. We will continue to read out chunk mail as the episodes go on, including from now on in the render distance because our patrons have absolutely smashed our latest milestone goal where we were going to do a chunk mail dispenser for emails specifically from patrons where we can uh, in the in the render distance. So that is coming up. Don't forget to tune into that if you are a patron of the show, but that's going to be it for this main episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and here is the statutory plug for the aforementioned Patreon. We are a listener-supported podcast, as Joel mentioned at the top of the show, and if you get some value out of listening, why not consider putting some value back in? You'll also get access to bonus stuff, like the render distance. Uh, you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, 
community. Pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, access to the pre- and post-show, and if you are a little bit more generous, you will find yourselves getting a few more rewards out of it as well. You will also get us closer to our next goal, which is a live recording day. Not only will the Spawn Chunks recording day be completely paid for as far as two professionals doing like a full day's worth of work on a show, but it will also be something that you can tune into live on Discord as a patron. We will hop into a public voice chat instead of the private call that we currently do, and you'll be able to listen in as we record. It's not going to be something that the community can contribute to the show as it's happening, but you'll be able to just pop in with your microphone muted automatically and listen to the show as we record it. No pressure, and it's always going to be at the usual time we record it, but it's going to be a, a fun goal to hit, and it'll be interesting to see if the show evolves from that point. Uh, speaking of evolution, we have currently reached 104 patrons on our uh, Patreon page, which is absolutely fantastic, and we want to give a special thanks to our content engineer patrons, Pajitos, Panqua, and Yitz for their support on this episode. Spreading the, sh uh, the show around with your friends is the easiest way to support it. You can share us on Twitter and Instagram at The Spawn Chunks, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends, server mates, and other places that you talk about Minecraft. This is where I tell you to poke a friend in the arm. Hey. I have had a number of people sending me proof. I think it's fantastic. It's a fun <laughs> little meme. So uh, again, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, please tell friends about it. it, it that goes in a very, very long way. You can reach the show and contribute uh, at thespunchunks at gmail.com. I want to emphasize that we get a lot of email. We cannot reply to all of it. We can certainly not involve all of it in the show, but we do read all of it. Uh, and I am very often throughout the week forwarding emails that I think are important to Johnny and saying like, hey, look at this one. We might want to put this in the show. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is always read and it's always appreciated, but I've gotten beyond the point where I can even reply yes. to everybody. It is it is um, a delight to read them as they come up though. And yeah, we try, yes. and try and work them into the show where we can. We can save stuff for the future. There is there is The wheels are always in motion in the Spawn Chunks inbox. Yes, absolutely. And and it's a it's a pleasure to read them. So keep keep them coming. Uh, subscriptions are available on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. Those are all just completely free, uh, easy to find. Uh, just search for the name on your favorite podcast platform. The RSS feed is linked at thespawnchucks.com if you're a bit more technical. And if you want to get the render distance, which is the extended version of the podcast, you can only do that via the RSS feed on the Patreon page. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week at twitch.tv slash where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series that I do on YouTube. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line there. You can also check out some recent handiwork of mine if you see the latest video from Logical Geek Boy. I did a YouTube avatar for him over the last little while, and he was uh, able to reveal that, I think, this week on his YouTube channel. It was super, super fun. Uh, if you're interested in the other podcasts that I do, I do the Citadel Cafe uh, usually weekly. Uh, we're covering Game of Thrones right now, so it's a little adult, but it is a good time. Uh, Comics Coast to Coast is on a hiatus, but there are a lot of podcasts in the archive there. If you're an artist and you want to go back and listen to some of those interviews, please feel free to do so. Everything else is just my name. I am Joel Duggan on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. I'm going to point you towards Twitch because I'm going to be returning to doing some streaming this week. 
Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but there's only one wandering trader. <laughs>